Mano. We are so grateful for Pastor Mike and Lauren and the way that they serve our Broad River students. It's actually been a really incredible year. Even though we've gone through difficulty, they've led and their team has led our students in such a great way. We're very privileged to have Pastor Mike speaking for us today. So I want you to get ready to receive God's Word. And right now, join me in giving Pastor Mike a big hand as he comes. morning everyone how we doing oh it's so good to see everyone here this morning man let me tell you worship was good this morning right and it felt the presence of God come in thanks worship for uh for bringing in the presence of God this morning I love that uh, my name is Mike McAvee my wife Lauren and I are the student pastors here at Broadway Church and we love our students we're so grateful that we have been given um this great opportunity to just minister to this generation and and we're, we're really just grateful to be in ministry here, and we really appreciate Pastor Kevin and Jacinta, you know, giving us this platform. And um, I just want to welcome everyone joining us online right now. We're just so grateful that we get this opportunity to share this with you and that you can tune in from all over the place. And um, I just also want to give a round of applause for any guests that are in the room this morning. All of our guests here, we're just so glad that you're here. If it's your first time... You know, we've been praying for you, and this is a place where you, we feel like you belong, and, and we're just so grateful to have you here. Um, I just real quick want to talk to the students just for a second, and then I got a couple of announcements. Any students in the house right now? I see a couple here. I just want you to know that I really love you, and I'm so proud of you, and I, it's just amazing to see what God is doing in all of your lives. And I hear a lot of stuff about Gen Z out in the world. I hear people say like, oh, if they're the future of the church, then we're in trouble. Nah, I don't agree with that at all. I think that God is moving in Gen Z in a new and fresh way, and that there's going to be a revival in our land that's going to come out of this generation. Amen. And so I just, I just really have a couple of announcements. Next week, um, we're going to be celebrating our graduating seniors. Go, go seniors graduating. Let's go. So yeah, it's gonna be a really good time. So if you're a senior in high school or you are a parent of a senior who's graduating or you even know a senior who's graduating, invite them to be in the house. We're gonna be honoring them and celebrating. We're gonna have a gift for them. That's gonna be in both gatherings at our 9.30 and 11 a.m. gathering. So please be here next week for that. Also, speaking of students, and this is a big announcement, we just signed our contract to have our summer retreat for our students this year. We're really excited about this. This is something we've been working on for a long time, and we've been planning and preparing. It's on uh, August 6th through 8th. It's going to be in Mount Bethel, Pennsylvania. This is for high school and middle school students. And let me tell you, God's presence is going to show up there. He's going to move in a great way. I'm so excited. We have a great adult team. Our lead team has been praying about it and preparing to take our students to this retreat. So if you're a parent or a student, please mark your calendars for August 6th through 8th for our summer retreat. There will be more information to come. Let's turn to our Bibles this morning, and we're going to be in the book of Colossians in chapter 2, starting in verse 13. And it's on page 984 in your blue Bibles, or you can follow along if you have a hard copy Bible or on the screens or on a device. And it starts in verse 13. It says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him 
having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Father God, we just, we thank you so much, Lord, for your presence. We thank you that you are a good father. Just ask that you would speak to your children this morning, Lord, exactly what we need to hear. We love you and we give you thanks to you all the glory in Jesus' name. Can I get a good amen? Amen. So it's, my message today is called Shame on Who? I just want you to look around at somebody, maybe someone near you or across the, the room, and, and just look at them and say, Shame on Who? I wanted to bring this word today because I feel like God has been building this in me since 15 years ago today. That's right, June 6th, 2006. I was 16 years old, and this was the day I was arrested for the first time, and I was incarcerated. I was taken to a juvenile detention center. And at this point in time in my life, I was a hot mess. I was really struggling with a lot of stuff, and I had no control, and I didn't know why I was acting this way. From an early age, I had experienced some pretty significant trauma. And I didn't know how to cope with that. I never learned how to deal with that trauma. And the way that I dealt with it was I learned how to stuff it down and bottle it up. I learned how to not talk about it and not share what was going on. And as I got older, this internal feeling that I had started to come out in these external ways. And so I would turn to these things outside of me to fill this deep kind of void or hole that I had on the inside, this pain that I had on the inside. I turned to things like alcohol, drugs, money, sex, significance, attention, validation, and I turned to these things because I never learned how to deal with some of the stuff in my past. And so I would use these things to kind of fill this pain that I had and kind of ease this pain that I had on the inside. I experienced some significant regret for the way that I treated people and about the damage that I caused in my life. I had kind of caused some damage to some people. And, and by the time I was 24 years old, I was addicted to pornography alcohol, sex, and drugs. My life had become a very difficult situation. I feel like at that point in time in my life, it was about every six months to a year that I was going in and out of jail for various different things that I was doing, mostly related to drug use. And, and I remember just feeling this sickening feeling in my stomach, like this deep sense of shame for what was happening. I would go into jail and I would, I would kind of fall out and I would cry and I remember feeling like this is all my life is ever gonna be worth. I had this deep, sickening feeling in my stomach and then I would get out and that wouldn't go away. You would think it would have gone away but it didn't go away, it actually got worse. Because what would happen is I would go for a job interview and as soon as they found out about my record, I would get turned away. 
And now I feel like, again, this is all that my life is going to be. This is all that I'm good for. Nothing is going to change. And, and I would have to take drug tests so that I, could, I, I wouldn't go back to jail. And every time I would go into the courtroom, I would feel this kind of emasculation about that I had to go and do this. I almost felt like I was an animal. I would feel this sickening stomach, this sickening feeling in my stomach like I was never gonna amount to anything and that my life was just gonna be what it was in that moment, that I was just gonna be a criminal and that I didn't have any hope. What I didn't understand at the time is that I was carrying this weight of shame. It was this heavy burden that I was carrying. I wonder if anyone has ever experienced the weight of shame before where they would say that they have experienced something in their past that they're still holding on to. Shame is something that all of us face in various degrees. So I just kind of want to take away the stigma of shame right now. And, and maybe you let down your team in a game. That's one way you could experience it. Maybe they had expectations for you and you felt like you let them down. Maybe you let down your parents because they had certain standards that you should live by or they had expectations for you to perform a certain way and you weren't able to live up to those expectations and so you told yourself that you were a bad child or that there was something wrong with you. Maybe you were in a relationship that didn't work out and you felt like you had some real regrets from that thing and now you feel like that no one could ever love you because of what you did. You got in a fight with someone that you love and didn't mean to and so there's like this guilt and you won't face them and maybe something just terrible happened in your past that wasn't in your control that you couldn't have changed and you've been carrying it with you and you don't feel safe enough to talk about it because of what will happen if someone finds out and so you wake up every morning and it's kind of just there and you feel it and, and you know it's there and, and you're, you're still carrying it. Or maybe you had done something in your past like I did and, and maybe you're carrying some regret and some shame from something that you did and so you don't tell anyone about it because it's just better if I just take it to the grave. Well, we've all experienced shame. Shame is a feeling. Let me just get that right. Shame is a feeling. It's an internal feeling that has spiritual, emotional, and physical implications in our life. And it was one of the first feelings that were ever felt by humans. It came in early on in the game. So I just wanna set the record straight about shame and I wanna kinda of demystify this concept so that we can have kind of a right understanding about how we should approach shame in our lives. And I feel like as I was praying and as I was preparing for this message, that I felt God tell me that he's gonna do some healing in this place. And that somebody in this room is gonna be able to experience a new level of freedom this morning. Amen. If we look at the creation story in Genesis chapter three, this is the first time that we see shame enter in, right? And we can also see that the way that humans responded the first time that it happened. And we see in scripture, Genesis three, verse seven, it says, then the eyes of both were open and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. 
And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid himself from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree that I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. This is when shame enters in right here at this point. Adam and Eve were deceived by the serpent. His name is the devil. He's our enemy. They were deceived into eating this fruit. They had sinned. And right after that, they experienced shame for the first time. Right after that, their eyes were open and they saw that they were naked. And this is when shame comes in. And let's look at the way that they respond. And this is three ways that we respond to shame. The first one is that we cover it up. They were ashamed of their nakedness, so they covered it up with fig leaves. Like that would actually work. It's crazy to think that they thought that that would work. When we experience shame, oftentimes we try to cover up who we are so that we don't have to be vulnerable and because we don't like the way that we are. We cover up shame by putting on these things. We put on these false things, these exterior things. We put on things like false identities, titles. We put on things like false senses of security, money. We put on false feelings of comfort. I don't know, there's a lot of those. So maybe it's like, I don't like the way I look right now, so let me put a Snapchat filter on it. Let me put an IG filter on it. I don't like the way I feel right now. Well, drinking is legal. Can't hurt to have a couple beers at night. Maybe you're feeling lonely. Let me do a little swipe in. That won't hurt anything. Maybe I'll go shopping. I gotta see if I need a new pair of jeans. Our first response to shame is that sometimes we try to cover it up with something else that gives us this false sense of safety. And this is what we see Adam and Eve do in the garden. The second thing is that we hide. They went and hid in the garden. Like you can really hide from the Lord God Almighty. He created the whole universe. He created the trees in the garden. He created them and he put them in the garden. And they still thought that they could hide from him. But this is what we do too. We think that we can hide from God. And so we hide our shame. We hide it from people. And we tried to hide it from God. How do you hide? Didn't pray all week? Well, I can't go to church on Sunday. Can't show up to Saturday prayer. I haven't prayed all week. Maybe you heard something that you didn't like. Maybe something touched a nerve. And so you're like, ah, I'm gonna take a little break. Maybe I'll watch online. Cancel the dream team slot. This is something that happens. And instead of just being like, oh, I'll come next week. It's like, ah, nah, I can't go back next week. We hide when we experience shame sometimes. And every insecurity comes from shame. When you feel like hiding so that you're not found out, so when I'm not found out, and when I feel the need to cover myself up with something else, oftentimes it's because I'm living with an insecurity. And if you look down and you dig down into the roots of that insecurity, a lot of times it's covered with shame. And we avoid situations where we will be seen because we feel ashamed of who we are or what we did. And the third thing that we do is that we lie. This one gets me every time. 
God asked them, how did you know you were naked? How did they even know what nakedness was? They never experienced that before. They had no frame of reference for nakedness. And then on top of that, how did they know that nakedness was bad? It's interesting to think about. Somebody must have told them that they were naked or they must have told them that nakedness was bad. I think it might have been the serpent. I think it might have been the enemy that said that. That's just a side note. And maybe you've had someone tell you that you should lie about something or cover up a part of you or that there was something wrong with you and that you should hide that from people or you should straighten that up. Well, let me set the record straight. It was a lie. It was a lie. And the enemy is the author of all lies. And so whenever somebody tells you that you're not good enough or that you should cover up or that you should hide a part of you, it's a lie. But what does Adam do? See, this is what we do sometimes. We get confronted by God in a loving way because he is a loving father. And after he gets found out, after Adam gets found out, what does he do? He tells one of those white lies. Like, you know, sometimes we do that. We do a little white lie. It's like, I'm not gonna tell a whole lie, but I'm just gonna tell kind of a partial truth. And this is what he does. God asks him, did you eat of the fruit of the tree? And what does he do? Instead of telling God exactly what happened, this is what he does. He points to his wife. He says, well, she did it. (laughs) But he was there with her. And this is what we do. We come up with a semi-close version of the truth in order to protect ourselves from being found out. And shame causes us to be dishonest with ourselves, to be dishonest with others, and ultimately to be dishonest with God. And right now, our culture is obsessed with shame. You see it all over the news, you see it all over the media in various degrees, right? And this has been a force in our world for a long time. And we see it kind of depicted in certain shows and movies of the way that someone should be treated when they commit a crime. We see it in the, in the show Game of Thrones. I love this show. We see kind of like, this is a queen, right? Her name's Queen Cersei, and she gets kind of uh, convicted of this crime that she does. She gets found out, and they paint this picture of how someone should be treated when they do something wrong. They want to drag her through the streets yelling, shame, shame shame. And check this out. It's crazy because the people that are executing the judgment are supposed to be religious leaders in this city. And this is crazy because the church is the last place that someone should feel condemned for their past. This is the last place. Jesus has spoken a better word over the things that you did in the past. He makes all things new. Let's look back at Colossians. Let's look at it. In verse 13, it says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Not just some of them. Not just the ones that you're willing to talk about. All of them. He cancels the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. And he set it aside nailing it to the cross. See, this is like the weight of shame right here. It's out of place. 
But remember that what we're doing when we have this weight on right here is that we're trying to protect what's inside, what's underneath. And this is what we do. We put this blanket, this weight of shame over us, and it's, it's there to keep people out, to keep people from seeing what's underneath. And this is what we do. We keep our shame, we keep that hurt from, from outside of the world. We keep it from letting people see what's going on inside of us. But the thing is, is that you are the only one that knows what's under here. And God is not interested in this cover. What he's interested in is what's underneath, right? And the scripture says that we were dead. We were covered up with the weight of sin and shame. But God makes us alive again. He takes off the weight of shame. The Bible says, therefore, there is no condemnation in Christ. And I feel like he's telling someone in this room right now that maybe you've been carrying some shame for a long time. Maybe you've been carrying this weight of shame. But God is here this morning to take that from you. He takes our shame off. This is what he does. He takes it off. And then in verse 14, it says that he nails it to the cross. And check this out. This is this illustration of, of nailing something to the cross it comes from this old Roman thing that they did was called a notice. They would put this sign up above someone and the sign was a declaration of the crime that the criminal was being executed for. This notice was a mark of shame. And how do we see this now play out? We see it in things like labels and stigma and some people in here may have had this label attached to them. Maybe you attach it to yourself. Maybe someone else attached it to you. Maybe you were diagnosed with something. Let me tell you right now, you are not your label. God sees through the label to who you are. The devil is a liar. And you see that in, in the book of Daniel, and you should read your Bible, the book of Daniel is incredible. What the enemy tries to do is he tries to take your name, the name that God gave you, and replace it with something else. Replace it with a label that the culture gives you. This is what they did to Jesus. He took the notice. They called him the king of the Jews. So what, what did Jesus do, right? He took on this label. He took on the shame. He took on the stigma. They nailed it to his cross so that we would never have to live by that label again. We would never have to live by that shame again. He took our shame in his place. So that label you've attached yourself to, that mark of shame, you can let that go. Jesus paid for that. He nailed it to the cross because listen, our debt is paid. See, that thing you, that you did, that crime you committed, that sexual relationship you were in, that thing that happened to you a long time ago that you've never been able to get over, let me tell you what, that has been paid for by the blood of Jesus, all right? That has been paid for by him. It's been nailed to the cross. And I've heard this phrase in church before. I've heard people say as well, shame doesn't have a place in the house of God. They say, this, play, this thing, this should be not in the house of God. Well, this has a place. 
okay? This doesn't just disappear. But what does verse 15 says? Verse 15 says, he disarmed the rulers and authorities. He put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Check this out. The NIV says it, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. God puts the devil to open shame. He makes a public spectacle of the spiritual authorities in this world. Check this out. God takes your shame off you, right? He takes it off. And then he puts that shame right on the devil. He uses this as a testimony to cause public disgrace to the enemy. So shame on who? That's the label of my message. Shame on who? Shame on you, devil. You thought that you were gonna take me down. You thought that you had a foothold in my life. But the testimony of God puts the devil to public disgrace for everyone to see. He takes away your shame. He uses it to defeat the enemy. He tried to shame us into death. This is what he does. He tries to kill, steal, and destroy. But God has redeemed us. He resurrects this thing that we were hiding, and that becomes the weapon against the enemy. Jesus turns your shame into a testimony. And that weight you carried becomes a tool and a weapon that God uses to rewrite your story. And 15 years ago, to the day, the devil tried to steal my life. He tried to steal my joy. He tried to kill me. He tried to take away my family. But let me tell you what. He thought he won. And he thought, I mean, he would may have been doing a good job for a little while. But let me tell you what. God wins. Victory belongs to Jesus. I'm up here today to tell you that I've seen the resurrection power of God in my life. And the enemy, he doesn't stand a chance. God will use your testimony to take the enemy out of business. And recognize that as a believer in Christ, any feelings of shame, they're misplaced. Why is that? Because I'm wearing something that doesn't belong to me. I'm wearing the weight of shame, and it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the enemy. And so for anyone in here who's maybe just checking things out or they, haven't, um, they don't really know about this whole Jesus thing, they're still kind of like doing some research, finding out what's going on, just know, too, that the shame that you carry doesn't belong to you. And Jesus can lift that shame and rewrite your story. And this church is a place where you can belong before you believe. And this is a place where you can bring in all your stuff. You just don't have to come in here buttoned up, looking good, wearing a suit, like everything is all good. No, we want you to come in here and talk about what's really going on. That's why we have small groups. Small groups are a place where you can take off the mask, where you can experience some real freedom and healing in Jesus' name. That's why we love when people come in for the first time. That's why we celebrate our guests because we know that God can heal. Amen. He makes all things new, and he can lift that shame. Almost seven years ago, I got a revelation from God 
on a cold rubber floor in a jail cell. And I felt this tugging at my heart and, and I made a decision to make Jesus the leader and ruler of my life in that moment. And, and trust me when I tell you, I've experienced the weight of shame, but I've also seen the resurrection power of God in my life. He changed everything and he can change everything for you. So 15 years later, June 6th, 2021, I feel like God sent me here today to speak a word to someone who's either in this room right now or joining us online. I don't know exactly who I'm talking to right now, but I feel like you need to hear this. This is God trying to tell you something, that that thing that happened to you, that thing that happened in your past, you've been holding on to it for a long time and you've been blaming yourself You've been taking responsibility for it. You've been holding on to it. You've been carrying this weight. God wants you to know it wasn't your fault. It wasn't your fault. He sees you. He knows you've been carrying it. And he wants to lift it from you. He wants you to give it to him. I don't know who I'm talking about right now, but I know in this room right now that the presence of God is here and there's gonna be some healing in this place. God is saying that he wants you to give him that pain from that event and that it wasn't your fault. He wants to set you free. And all throughout the Bible, the word disgrace is used to represent shame. The word disgrace is a synonym for shame and, and disgrace just means no grace. The cure for shame is God's grace and God's grace is sufficient. And we see this happen in the Gospel of John and there's a woman there and, and she's caught in the act of adultery. This woman was labeled a prostitute, an adulterer, a liar, a thief. She was, she was on the bottom of the barrel. She had experienced a lot of things and she was carrying the weight of shame. And the culture had painted this picture of her like she was this terrible person that could never be forgiven. And so they were gonna stone her to death. These religious leaders were gonna stone her to death for the crimes that she had committed. And then Jesus showed up. And look at what Jesus does. He looks through her shame. He looks through her label. He looks through her crime. And in John chapter 8, verse 10, it says that Jesus stood up and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? She responds, no, Lord. And this is what Jesus says to her. He says, neither do I go and sin no more. Robert Church, I just want you to look around for a second. We're just in the presence of God right now. I just want you to look around at somebody right now. I just want you to answer this question. Where are your accusers? They're not here. 
When we come into a relationship with Jesus, he stands us up. He restores us. He looks past our shame. He looks through that label, that stigma, that thing that you did. He calls us by name. He took the shame off her. And right now he's saying, shame off you. And shame on the devil. And if Jesus doesn't condemn her, he doesn't condemn you. His grace is sufficient. And he uses this pain, this thing that you were covering up, as a testimony to show his power, to show his love, to show his mercy, and to show his grace. He sends us out with a testimony of what he's done to share with the world. Father God, I just thank you so much, Lord, that you're in this place with us, Lord. I thank you for your healing power. I thank you that you're setting some people free this morning from the weight of shame. I thank you, God, that you are a God of the resurrection and that you can make all things new and that you're doing that here this morning in this place. Just rest in God's presence this morning. You know who you are right now. There's a healing spirit in this room right now that's trying to touch that part of you that you've been holding on to for a long time. The power of the Holy Spirit is here in this place. You can give it to him. God is saying, you can give it to me. And maybe there's someone in this room today that would say they've never taken the first step to make Jesus the leader and ruler of your life. And as I was speaking today, maybe you felt something pulling at your heart. Maybe you were moved in a way that you've never been moved before. Well, let me tell you, that's God's spirit trying to speak to you today. He wants you to take a next step. I know this was the best decision that I ever made. And if that's you this morning, no one's looking around. I would just like to pray a prayer with you. We'll all pray as a church, but what I want you to do is I just want you to pray what's in your heart right now. And maybe this is the first time that you would pray this prayer or the first time in a long time. But if you want to give your life to Jesus this morning, without anyone looking, heads bowed, eyes closed, I would just like you to lift your hand just so I can see who I'm praying with this morning. Church, you can repeat after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Thank you for dying for me and the new life that I have in you. I give you my heart. Take away my sin. I turn my heart to you. I want to live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Why don't we give anyone a round of applause for anyone who prayed that prayer for the first time. Thank you, Jesus.